0: welcome back to another episode of cheaper than therapy. This is such a cool episode. I really love what we got to dig into today. Yeah. It
1: feels a little bit like when we had Millian a while ago to do our astrology charts, right? Like, I mean, selfishly we get to learn more about ourselves, but <laughs> in service of you all, you get to learn about hopefully either a new concept or a new tool, or just like more about something that you've already, you know, kind of heard about.
0: Yeah. I love that it was so new for both of us. And now this is like a healing modality that we're both aware of and excited to be able to share with other people and definitely delve into a little bit deeper
1: for ourselves. Yeah. And I love, you know, our guest, um, Kathleen, she just seems so, I don't even know. I I don't want to say knowledgeable because that almost makes it seem like left brain, like logic, but she seems so like embodied in this work. Like Mm. you can tell that I think what I appreciate most about whether it's a teacher or a healer or whatever you want to call somebody in this kind of realm is when you know that the experience was so life-changing for them that then it becomes like a part of who they are. And so that is what's fueling their interest in it. Not just like their brain. Right.
0: It feels like embodiment. Like she's very much the embodiment of the work that she does and speaks to it with such like grounded sense of
1: authority. It was really lovely. And what we're talking about is human design, y'all, because I realized today and I didn't say at <laughs> the beginning.
0: This human episode design. is
1: on human design. <laughs> but enjoy. I hope you guys get kind of as nerdy excited about this stuff as Danae and I do. We're really excited today to talk about a topic that Danae and I actually don't have a lot of knowledge around or background in, and so we brought in an expert. So today we're talking to Kathleen Kruger, and she is a mindfulness coach, a yoga instructor, a writer, and a creator of creative things. As founder of Yoga Etc. and Radiant Human Design, she helps her clients connect with their true authentic selves, leading them to their soul's unique blueprint to bring clarity and self-acceptance, two of the best gifts that we can give to ourselves. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Wow, what a wonderful introduction. Thank you for having me.
1: (laughs) Kathleen, we were like
0: giddy today, waking up and just being like, oh my gosh, we get to learn about human design today. And as Vanessa just said, both of us really don't have a whole lot of knowledge of human design. Um, So we're just excited for like a breakdown, but we'd love to hear first how you started doing this work and how you came into it.
1: Yeah. Like what was your journey like, you know?
2: So one of the things that I love about human design and the concepts behind it is that it really is when you break it down, a permission slip to Mm. live a life that feels authentic to yourself. Mm. And it's kind of breaking down any sort of beliefs that you've picked up along the way and figuring out which ones are actually meant for you, which ones actually belong to you. And then you can kind of pick and choose how you move through life in a way that feels very good. So for the longest time, I kind of followed the path that society had created for me, or at least attempted to, and it felt so wrong. Mm -hmm. A lot of things came up, you know, I had depression, anxiety, health issues. It was such a struggle for me to fit into that box. And I thought something was wrong with me, like, why can't I just want the same things that most people want? Or why can't I just follow the traditional path? So it was everything that I intuitively knew, but when I came across human design, it put it into words and it was Mm -hmm. kind of like this external validation that I really needed at the time that ultimately was a huge sigh of relief. Like, oh my gosh, I feel this way because I'm not meant to lead a life that everyone else is, or that my parents think I should live or et cetera. I can really live a life that I want to and pursue the path that does feel good for me.
1: Oh, Will you tell me a little bit? So human design, like who, because I, I really am a total novice in this area, other than just like hearing about it and knowing some people who who you know really follow it and practice it, where does it come from? Like was it was it formed out of another um like psychologist theory or like what do you know where it kind of started? Yeah, absolutely. Um
2: it's very esoteric. It's a little mm-hmm. out there, mm-hmm. but I think it's also very important to recognize while human design is relatively new, the wisdoms that Come together to create human design have been around forever. So, I also think it's really important to acknowledge the traditions of these Mm -hmm. wisdoms and the origins of it that come together to create human design. So, it's the Chinese I Ching, the Jewish Kabbalah, astrology, quantum physics, and the Hindu chakra system Mm -hmm. that piece together this human design puzzle. And Mm -hmm. a man named Albert Krakauer had this meditation, an eight day meditation, where the human design system was kind of downloaded to him by piecing Mm. these puzzles together. So I always like to say, because people are like, how do you know it's real? Is this real? And I'm like, well, I don't know if it's real, but Mm. is it true? Like, does it work? Does it feel good to you? So it's very much like take what feels good and leave what doesn't situation. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's important to honor and recognize the wisdoms and traditions that formulate human design
1: above anything else.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm obsessed already. I
1: love- <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. We were just having this conversation last night Danae and I run this, this small group and somebody said, and tell me if I've got this right Danae, if you remember, she said something like, it's not about if it feels factual or if it's, if I find it factual, it's like, do I find truth in it? Does that make, yeah. Is that what she said? Yeah. And that, that kind of feels like this, which oh, I feel perfect. like,
0: is the case with so many of our spiritual practices or, you know, like whatever gives us peace. It's like, does this feel true to me? Does this feel like it's the missing piece that I've been looking for? And I love the, um, integration of all of these different, um, practices and lineages that it sounds like this brings together. Um, how did you find it?
2: So I had stumbled upon it maybe six or seven years ago. And at the time, it didn't really resonate with me to the degree it does now. Mm. And then, you know, I kind of always had it in the back of my mind, I read a little bit about it, but it was very confusing, like the language around it was very limiting, Mm. that wasn't something that I attached to right away. And then a couple of years later, I was listening to a podcast and someone had brought up human design again. I was like, oh, I remember this, but they presented it in a much different way, a much more accessible way. And then from there, I just read as much as I could kind of asked all my friends, my family, if I could read their charts and then did some training, some certifications. So it was kind of like lingering in my world for a while until I, I decided to pursue it more.
1: Some kind of spark was lit. Yeah. What would you say there's a connection or or I guess I don't think there's a connection. Not I guess now that I hear you say what the background is, but I was saying to Danae before we got on, it feels a little bit like when I hear my clients talk about it, it feels a little bit like the Enneagram to me. Like it it gives people kind of a structured way of being able to understand themselves um, or a lens through which to see themselves, right? It doesn't like solve all the problems or answer all the questions, but it just gives you some kind of structure, perhaps when you feel as though there are there is no structure.
2: Absolutely. That's a wonderful way to put it. So the whole idea behind human design is that when you were born, you were born your truest, most authentic self, and you showed up in the way you wanted to. But over time, you took on those beliefs, right? Your parents probably influenced your decisions, your teachers told you what was good or bad, society or the media, social media influences what we think is beautiful or what we think we should do with our lives or how our lives should look. So you get further away from your authentic self. And human design is just sort of a lens in which you can look back into your truest self and then ultimately get back to that space. Human design is a superficial self-discovery tool, right? Once you know about it, that's great, but it is up to you to take steps and Further action in order to integrate it into your life. And I think that goes with a lot of our like spiritual wellness world Mm -hmm. concepts. It's not going to solve all of the issues in your life. It's not going to be the answers to all of your problems, but it it is a way to highlight some of the steps you can take or the things you can do to cultivate, you know, a better sense of self.
0: Mm -hmm. Amazing. Okay, will you give us like a general breakdown? I know so little, I know they're like generators and like, Mm -hmm. will you give us like a 101 breakdown of what it looks like?
2: Absolutely. First of all, if you don't have your human design chart already, I would suggest pausing the episode now and you can go to my website, radianthumandesign.com. You can also go to mybodygraph.com, enter in your birth information. And then once you have your chart pulled up, you'll see in a section that says energy type. And when you first stumble upon human design, energy type is where you traditionally start. It's the most basic foundational piece of your design, but everything else gets filtered through it. So it's important to have an understanding of what that is. Mm-hmm. And there's five different energy types. You have the generator, Danae, you're a generator, manifesting generator, projector, Vanessa, you're a projector, uh, manifester, and then reflector.
1: That sounds right. I don't even know what it means. <laughs>
2: I'm already like, yep. It's so fun. And I love looking at your two charts together. Oh my
1: God. I'm
0: so excited.
2: (laughs) And the energy type just kind of tells you how you best use your energy, how you create energy, how you best interact with the world around you. And generators are one of the most common types. They're here to create life force energy. And you do this by doing things that you love, doing things that excite you. And the idea is that the more you do things that excite you, the more energy you create for yourself, but also for other people to tap into. Mm -hmm. And Danae, I don't know if you've had this experience, but if you're doing something you love, you can probably do it all day long and you're in this like flow state and all of a sudden the day's over and you haven't eaten a meal. (laughs) Yeah. But the simplest task that should be very easy to accomplish becomes so challenging and takes so much of your energy because you don't want to be doing it. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So the whole idea behind being a generator and also a manifesting generator, because they have a lot of similarities is do what you love. Mm-hmm. And you really need to learn how to set boundaries about how to say yes to things that you want to pursue and no to things that you don't. Mm-hmm. The main difference between a generator and a manifesting generator is that manifesting generators move very quickly and they probably have a lot of different interests and a lot of different hobbies, maybe multiple careers or multiple paths. Mm. So they're like multi-talented, multi-passionate, have the ability to multitask. So generators and manifesting generators create energy. Projectors are here to guide energy. So it's almost like you have... this bird's eye view, you'll often hear as projectors referred to as birds, because they're sitting up in the trees, they have this bird's eye view, and they can really see what's working and what's not. So they can tell people how to shift their energy or tweak their energy in order to be the most, be most efficient or get to where they need to go most efficiently.
1: Sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm really good at telling people what to do.
2: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And you can probably see maybe challenges or insights that the other person can't see in themselves. And then you have manifestors, which are here to rally energy. They're here to get things started, get things moving. Um, They also move pretty quickly. And this can be kind of confusing to some of the other energy types. So manifestors are really meant just to keep people informed of what they're up to. The idea is that they get like this intuitive hit or this intuitive download. It's the universe saying like, go do this and they'll feel like quick urges or impulses. And then manifestors act. They don't have to ask for permission. They don't have to wait for anything. They just go and do it. So to the outside world, to people who aren't manifestors, they're like, whoa, this person's moving so quickly. What are they even doing? They're just meant to keep people informed. And I like to use the analogy of the train conductor. Manifestors are driving a train and instead of plowing all the way through to the final destination, they stop at each station get on the loudspeaker and say to the people waiting on the platform, like, Hey, I'm a manifester. This is where I'm going. Do you want to come along for the ride? Or are you better off waiting for a different train? And then the people kind of get to decide whether or not they join for the journey or experience. Sounds like John, my partner.
1: <laughs> now I'm getting real deep. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do his chart. <laughs> yes, for sure.
2: The last final type reflectors are very rare. And they're here to sort of reflect back the energy to the community. So the idea is that they're placed at the center of the community. And based on how they're feeling, they can tell other people how things are going. So if they enter into a work environment, for example, and they feel really good, chances are the work environment is great. People feel seen and heard and valued. Um, But if they don't feel good, chances are the work environment isn't great. There probably needs to make they probably need to make change or talk to people about how they can improve the situation.
0: It's a very reflectors intuitive. are
2: extremely sensitive yeah. and they're kind of like chameleons. So they take on the identity or they take on the, the emotions, the fears of the people around them. And this can be in like a good way, right? People can make them feel very good or people can make them feel very bad. So for reflectors, it's really important to curate your environment and pay attention to who you're around.
1: Mm -hmm. Sounds like some codependency too. (laughs) Hmm.
0: I love it. I think, you know, similar to astrology, it feels like to me, this is such a a way to get some insight into, like you said, your nature in a way that can really cultivate some self-compassion. You know, I think the work that we do, and certainly from a depth psychology lens, so much of it is like, this is your nature. You can continue to fight it, or you can sort of be in this space of like, this is just the way I am in the world. And it doesn't mean we don't continue to expand and grow, but there are some things that are going to be the way I experience the world that are going to be just very different from the way Vanessa experiences the world. (laughs) And, um, I think we can spend a lot of time comparing ourselves to someone else. And, you know, this is a way to sort of, um, be in self-acceptance, I would imagine.
2: Yeah, and what I love is that just because you do things differently than I do doesn't mean it's wrong or just because I do things differently than you do doesn't mean that it's wrong. And if we can really honor and recognize all of our differences, our different ways of doing things, our different ways of showing up, I think the better off everyone will be because you're living from a space that feels empowering and we can really learn a lot from each other through that.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Once you found out so so which one are you? I'm pile. a generator. How did that shift, I guess your self perception? Like what did you feel like was kind of um, hmm. I don't know if it's like a turning point, but I guess like you know you, you didn't know this stuff and then you did know this stuff. Like once you did, how did that change kind of the way you looked at yourself?
2: So because generators have this natural life force energy, we can kind of go and go all day long as long as it's something as long as we're doing something that we love. If we're doing something that we don't wanna be doing, it's extremely draining. We can be met with a lot of frustration, a lot of fatigue, a lot of burnout. So one of the main lessons that I learned was just because I can do something doesn't mean that I have to. And generators are meant to make decisions about how it feels in their body, how it feels in their gut. So it's kind of tapping back into your intuition. And for me, I made so many decisions from a logical space of like, Mm -hmm. I should do this because it makes me more money, or I have to do this because other people are expecting me to. Whenever I start to hear that voice, like I should, I have to, I need to, it's kind of a reminder to get back into my body and ask myself, how does this actually feel to me? Like when I think about pursuing this, do I get excited? Do I sit up a little taller? Or is it sort of like this sinking dark feeling in my body? And I try to make decisions from there. Um, Obviously, we don't live in a perfect world. In a perfect world, you know, you take inventory of your life and say, I'm only doing things that I want to do and getting rid of everything that I don't. But I try to spend most of my time doing things that I want to be doing.
1: I love that. I wonder, I mean, not that you have to go into it now. I don't think we have time, but when you look at all five, the way that you just broke down, at least for generators, like these are the tangible ways that you actually tap back into, you know, your true nature and I guess like how to live and act from, I guess, the the most authentic place right based on some of the understanding and the knowledge that you've gained in this system are there kind of tangible ways to look at all five where people might be able to say like oh I am this one and so this is like you said getting into your body for example for generators but would it be different for you know say I don't know like what what am I a projector you know would it be a different kind of skill or technique
2: yeah so you are what we call an emotional projector so in, in human design, I should take a step back. There's what we call authority. And authority is how you are meant to make decisions. So every human design type is, is kind of meant to get out of your mind and get back into your body to make okay. decisions. So for generators and manifesting generators, that's tapping into your gut response. So the yeah. phrase, um, listen to your gut, absolutely applies to manifester, or manifesting generators and generators the other types will have different authorities mm. or different decision making processes and for you Vanessa yours is what we call an emotional authority and what this means is you experience a wave of emotions maybe throughout the day maybe throughout the week but it's kind of like you're you got the high highs you got the low lows and for you you're not meant to make decisions when you're in an emotional high or an emotional low so in an emotional extreme and Ideally, you make decisions when you're in more of an emotional neutral, mm-hmm. based on how that feels in your body. So, whereas Danae and I can kind of act quickly, act spontaneously, like bring it straight into our gut to say, Yes, I want to do this, you might have that reaction immediately, but you kind of have to wait to make a decision according to your human design. Mm-hmm. So, for example, say someone offers you a job, right? You have this job opportunity and you're in an emotional high you're having the best day ever and they say hey Vanessa do you want this job and you're like yeah I want this job this job is amazing I'm having the best day look at all these amazing things this job offers me but then a few days later you look at the job and you're like wait a second this isn't the pay that I want these aren't the hours that I want this isn't where I want to focus my energy you might regret that decision because you made it so quickly. Mm-hmm. Sa- same goes with an emotional low if, if you're just having a rough day and someone offers you the same job or any job you're like ugh, no get this out of my face like I don't want anything to do with it and then a few days later you think back like wait a second that actually would have been a wonderful opportunity mm-hmm. and I would have gotten to do a b and c I should rethink that decision so the idea is that you're more in an emotional balanced neutral place when you make decisions or that you're decision or your answer remains the same over a period of time. So whether you're you're in a high or a low or in an emotional neutral, your decision stays the same. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's kind of how, you know, that's how you find clarity. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that because it's, it's, it's allowing, depending on what you are, um, it's allowing you to, um, or I, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. It's like it's giving you an extra tool, really, to say like this is this is possibly something you should try when it comes to taking action, when it comes to making decisions, when it comes to listening to yourself. Right. I'm, I'm assuming each one of them is like slightly different.
2: Yes, yeah. absolutely. And there's several other authorities too. And you, when you pulled your chart, you'll see the word authority, and it'll be listed there.
0: Okay. So, yeah, I mean, and that feels like there's different components to it as well, because as I'm listening to you talk about it, I'm like, I think a big part of why I don't struggle to make the decisions is I don't feel a lot of regret, but I would imagine that's a part of the emotional connection that I feel to the decision-making process if I am a projector. Is that right? Yes. (laughs) Am I making
2: sense? (laughs) I need to say that again
0: (laughs) (laughs) like so I would imagine that if a projector has an emotional decision or an emotional reaction to a decision they feel like it was the wrong decision I think they probably would feel that because they're a projector whereas maybe a generator and this is just like me making an assumption may not have that attachment to a right or wrong decision which is why they're so quick to make decisions like I don't really I don't know I kind of feel like whatever decision I made I made it and so I'm going to learn from it so I don't really like Hesitate to make decisions. And I would imagine that's a part of being a generator.
2: Yeah, interesting. You should say that because there's also some other things going on in your chart that would suggest you make a decision and you're like, that's the decision that I made. I'm going to move forward and learn from it. Mm -hmm. When you first look at your human design chart, there's a lot going on and it can seem very overwhelming and and complicated. That's why I always say start with the energy type. Mm -hmm. But the next step would be looking at your profile and your profile in human design is kind of like your personality type. Um, and for you, Danae, you're what we call a three, five personality or three, five profile, which means you learn by doing, you learn by having hands-on experiences. And it's almost like you go out there and you make mistake after mistake after mistake, and then you figure out what works. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Mistake after
0: mistake. I, <laughs> I don't really think they're mistakes. <laughs> it's just funny. And that's
2: exactly what I teach anyone with this in their profile is like, mm. redefine the term mistake, redefine right, yeah. the term failure, because they aren't bad things. Absolutely. They're, you they, need them in order to move forward, actually. Exactly. And with that profile, with the 3 5 profile, that's how you learn. Mm. So, sure, a mistake is a mistake, but I don't know why we as a society have deemed that as a negative thing or a negative quality, because how do you learn anything new Mm -hmm. without making mistakes or without failing to some degree? Right. And so that three line in your profile is very hands-on. It's very trial and error. It can seem kind of chaotic at times. It can seem a a little bit messy, but yes, like you said, as as long as you embrace that part, as long as you recognize there's like gems, there's wisdom and lessons in there, the better off you'll be.
0: Drives the projectors in my life a little crazy, I would imagine. But (laughs) yes, (laughs) absolutely. me?
2: (laughs) And then Vanessa, you have a one in your profile, which suggests you learn more by research and by reading and studying. And that's how you gain your knowledge and your wisdom. And both of them are equally great wisdoms that that need to be shared or are meant to be shared. And I think it's a really interesting combination because Danae, you can say, Well, I've had that experience. I've been there. This is what I did. And then Vanessa can come in and say, Yep, I agree. I've researched everything there is to know about it. Here's how we think you should move forward.
0: Isn't that literally how we always talk about ourselves too? I'm like, I don't know. I just feel it in my body. And Vanessa's like, well, actually, the research does back that <laughs> That is literally how we research talk shows constantly. <laughs> it's fascinating.
2: I love it. And then so projectors, I should say, they are really only meant to work a few hours a day because the amen. Anybody out there Oh listening? my gosh, <laughs> this is
1: fascinating! Oh my gosh, uh,
2: the generators and the manifesting generators create that life force energy. The projectors do not. Neither do the manifestors or the reflectors. So those three other energy types kind of rely on the generator and the manifesting generator to share that life force energy, which is why it's so important that us generators and manifesting generators do what we love because Mm -hmm. there's more to go around. So the projectors then tap into that energy, use it to, to guide, to share their visions, and then can step out of it and rest and relax when they need to. Mm -hmm. So while generators and manifesting generators can kind of go, go, go all day long, projectors aren't meant to do that. Now that can sound kind of limiting at first, but it's really not. You have the energy to do whatever you want to do, but related to work, related to guiding someone or something is meant to be limited to a few hours a day, or maybe two days a week or one week on one week off, whatever
1: intuitively feels good to you. It's like work smarter, not harder. Exactly. And that's what
2: they say about projectors is they're super efficient. Hmm. And usually projectors have, a specific way of seeing something, like a specific ability to tap into a pattern um, or an idea, and that's where a lot of your wisdom lies. So I don't know if you're like obviously therapy, but maybe there's a specific component of therapy that you're highly tapped into that you can really help people work through.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We work with codependency. Um, I think it's so fascinating because Vanessa is super boundaryed around the way that she works and time and um, like I I'm, I actually really am curious what John is but I think like both of us the have this like boundaryed with time <laughs> we love what we do and yeah. so it's like so like I could do this forever like I don't know why we would need to like put boundaries around this this is fun I'm enjoying this like let's keep going and that's like exactly what you're describing <laughs> and sometimes I think on both ends it can be a little maddening because it's just different you know. But it's like
1: any, I mean, there's any dynamic that we talk about, right, even like the therapy world, whether it's attachment styles, whether it's, you know, the the kind of where there's a code, there's an addict saying, like, they're, the opposites are so regularly drawn to each other for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Because there's stimulation in the activation. Ooh, I'm going to trademark that. There is stimulation in the activation. (laughs) Right. So like it might irritate me, but there's also something, even if it irritates me, there's motivation in that irritation. Like, Mm -hmm. and, and maybe it's um, unconsciously I'm, I'm looking at you going, Oh, I I want some of what you have, or like, I want to look at something the way that you look at something. um, Or I need you to look at something the way that I'm incapable of looking at something. Right. And that's like why I keep you in my inner circle or whatever. So I think that that's also important when, whenever we think about these dynamics, which is like, have to look at the activation as like information about mm-hmm. yourself, not about that person. Right. Yeah.
0: And also why you are hungry for it right. and like the way that it serves you, like that your energy can feel really containing and safe to someone who is a little.
1: Right. Less and you help safe. me not be so contained and safe. <laughs> yes.
2: And that's one thing that I actually love about human design is when people are open to it, it's a great conversation starter, and it really is a way to understand each other. Obviously, you can do this through other modalities that doesn't include human design, but this is just one option. Um, So really learning, especially when you're working on a team or with a partner Mm -hmm. or in a relationship, Mm -hmm. you can really learn how the other person works best and kind of understand their needs on a deeper level and then really create space for that.
1: Well, I also think that, you know, as a culture, we put a lot of emphasis on like, well, we're a very we're a very black and white thinking kind of culture, right? Like very linear. um, And this idea, like you said in the beginning about take what works and leave what doesn't is really something that I try to abide by. And I I don't think that it um, takes away at all from what it is that you're leaning into. Right. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I think to myself, I am not an avid follower of astrology by any means. Like I have a certain amount of information and knowledge and I, and I do believe in, in much of what it has to offer, but there are tidbits about it. Like for example, when I found out that like my partner's moon was in cancer, it was like, like my mind was blown. I, the way that I looked at him completely shifted and it will forever be changed. And it's a way that I see him now. I can't tell you what all of his planets are in, but that one was just such an eye-opener for me that it really helped me understand him. So when you talk about like human design, I can see how it, you don't have to be like, oh, it's all this, or it's all this, or it's black and white. It can be like, this is what works for me. This helps me understand. And so that's the part of it that I'm going to, I'm going to lean into.
2: Absolutely. And I think that goes for any sort of practice in the wellness or spiritual world. Right. When someone shows up and says, you have to meditate an hour a day, twice a day, otherwise you're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to look at, well, what's going on in their life and is that their integrity? And just because it works for them, does it work for me? And then there's sort of this guilt associated with it. Like, well, I should be meditating for two hours a day and I'm not. And so I'm not doing it right. And we can kind of over-identify to some Mm. degree with these spiritual concepts. And I think when you approach anything, especially human design, but anything in the spiritual world, it's important to do so with an open mind, but also with giving yourself permission to kind of shift and change over time. Right. Mm -hmm. So you learned about the cancer moon and that's what you took away. But Also, you know, in a few years, it might not be like that anymore. You might learn something different or you might add on to what you already know. So it's really just keeping space open to learn in a very like fluid way, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I love that.
2: Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Cause I'm also thinking, I mean, obviously it's my brain's working this way. Like I'm thinking about how this could be applicable as like a therapeutic tool. Right. Um, and I haven't actually gotten into the Enneagram either. It's one of the other areas that I'm like, I have no idea. Um, but but astrology and my understanding of it actually has been very helpful as a therapeutic tool, right? And I mean, Jung himself was like an avid follower of astrology. I mean, his daughter was like famous for it. So um, you can see how some of this stuff could really be beneficial and just like self-understanding and and self-acceptance and just that quest for knowledge.
2: Right. And that's going back to the beginning where we asked, like, okay, is this real? Maybe that's not the question. Maybe the question is, is this helpful?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: So, what's really interesting to me about your two charts put together is that when your energies, because we're all influencing each other, when your energies come together, you actually turn into a manifesting generator. So, as a team, you guys can work very quickly. And Just remember that just because you can work very quickly and get a lot of things done that you do still need time to yourself and time to decompress and time to reset because we can kind of get caught up in that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And the deeper you get into the chart, you'll see there's like little shapes and these shapes are what we call energy centers and each energy center means something different. But when you overlap your two charts, you guys have the throat center defined or colored in and it basically means that you're meant to communicate and share and talk, which is amazing that you have a podcast. Mm-hmm. And then it also suggests that you're meant to communicate and talk about your emotions and mm-hmm. then also your ideas behind those emotions. So the the fact that you have a podcast that is about therapy and dealing with challenging emotions or difficult situations to me is so interesting And I think it's a prime example that a lot of us are intuitively living our design, whether or not you have this information or or you don't.
1: Right. But also, I think Danae and I, I would venture to say on the other side of at least my own personal like quarter life crises or whatever you want to call it, like I, I might be now living more in line with that. But if we had had this conversation 10 years ago. I don't know that it would have felt the same, you know, like, I think this kind of stuff would be really interesting to know, at least for me younger or earlier. I mean, I get it. I I needed to go through what I went through to be who I am now, but also knowing this stuff maybe a little earlier would have been uh, more of an intuitive push to me to follow.
0: I love that. And I think that so much of the work that we do is around supporting people to sort of like, like holding hands through the journey of finding your voice and sort of like feeling what feels like your authentic truth. And I think so often people are like at the cusp or like, you know, I like want to jump over this cliff, but what if I fall? And we're sort of like in that space of pushing, but you could fly. And I feel like this could be another one of those tools that says, no, you're absolutely exactly where you need to be. And you need to just like step into this space of going for it because here's what your human design says about where you are and who you're supposed to be. Hmm. supposed to be. (laughs)
2: Absolutely. And I think the concept of divine timing can Mm. always come into play because when I read charts for my younger clients, the information is very helpful, but it's not necessarily applicable in a way that's Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense because you haven't yet had those experiences. And while I think it sets them up for More ease and less struggle in their life if they do follow their design or they just do what feels good to them, that can be highly beneficial. But the people that I read for that have already had those experiences can look back and think, Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. So I think there's a reason why, because human design has become widely popular in the last even just two years, I think there's a reason why this information is coming out now. And it's more just that people are ready for it. Yeah. Mm
0: Well, So, I'm curious about that because I feel like whenever we talk to people that are supporting self realization and expansive work, um, I'm curious about what your thoughts are on this time that we're living through, um, how you're sort of holding it with and for your clients, what you understand about it, what it brings up for you.
2: That's a great question because to some degree, I've been having this existential crisis related to the healing journey mm. um, because this work is so important. And I I always think like, wow, what if all this information had been accessible to us as children? Or what if we got this information into schools? It would be so helpful to have those tools and resources in place because when you do, when you are met with adversity or a challenging situation or difficult emotions, you have this toolbox of resources that you can tap into, you know, or if therapy had been more widely accepted when I was younger, that would have been hugely beneficial for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And now that we're coming to it as adults, we have a lot to unpack a lot to look back on. And sometimes we can over identify with this concept of needing to be healed or that we aren't good enough where we are now, or that there always is more work to be done. Mm -hmm. So I think it, the work is very helpful, very much needed, but we also, it's a fine line between healing and then over identifying with not being healed. Mm -hmm. That makes sense.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been feeling so much of that lately. Like a lot of, as much as I am so thrilled to see, um, you know, conversations about therapy being something that have just become a lot less pathologized and you know it's just like in the mainstream vernacular I do feel like there is a lot of um pathologizing everything and you know like constantly in the quote work of like fixing myself as if I were somehow broken and I do think there's a point where um, I don't know, like the self-compassion and the allowing ourselves just to live needs to step in a little bit more. And, and I kind of love what you're talking about in the context of human design for that reason, because it's like, some of these things are in alignment with my nature. Some of these things are just the ways that I experience the world. And I'm just going to be good with that. And maybe it, it can sort of, um, be a little bit of a push in the opposite direction with some of that. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I'm wondering too, if it's a little bit of like a generational, um, pendulum swing, Hmm. right? Like, uh, just like anything happens when we see that pendulum go from one extreme to the other. I mean, working with adolescents, you know, at the earlier part of my career, um, and this, when you were saying this idea of like, just being almost overly attached to the, the pathology and the, you know, it was like every single teenager that I came across was like, depressed or had anxiety or had an anxiety disorder or had this or had that. And I'm not minimizing in any way the real and true suffering that they were feeling, but it almost became like a badge of coolness to Hmm. say that you were quote unquote diagnosed, or you were going to a therapist who diagnosed you with depression or anxiety. Um, and so again, not that I'm minimizing, but I am wondering if that's a, if we're just kind of witnessing that 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 swing of the pendulum. And then will it eventually right kind of find its way back to center, which is like you need that pendulum to go to one extreme in order to push people that were on the other extreme to open their eyes. And then it feels like this human design work kind of comes into play um, almost on that shift back to the center of the pendulum, which is more of like a place of self-acceptance and like Mm. of understanding self versus trying to like fix self.
2: Exactly. And I kind of love the younger generation for that because they just show up and they say, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. And they don't really apologize for Mm -hmm. it. I think in an ideal world, we would be somewhere in the center where, it's not such a big deal either way, you know, it's just wildly accepted. And therapy Mm -hmm. is something that everyone participates in, or everyone has some sort of grounding practice or ability to deal with the challenging parts of life, because life is challenging, life is difficult. And that's something I didn't really learn until, you know, my late 20s. And if I had been prepared earlier on, I feel like, I would have been much better off, but again, I learned what I needed to learn and now mm. I share that. So I am grateful for those experiences, but yeah, if it, if it wasn't so dramatic either way and it was more just a centralized accepted part of our life, um, I don't know, mm. I like that might be be better because it's not like you're hiding therapy or you're mm-hmm. hiding your issues, but you're, you don't also need to go parade them around to the world unless you feel called to do that right which is hopefully what
1: we're moving towards
0: yeah yeah are there other things about like our charts or when people are like there's anything else you want to tell me I'm so (laughs) I see you she's like so bad to me so Um, annoying sometimes how how often oh
1: god
2: so you have actually you both have oh that can't be right um you have what's called self-expression. So, and you have that three line in your profile, which means you're meant to have those experiences in life. And then you're meant to talk about those experiences. Mm -hmm. And by talking about those experiences, you're sharing the wisdom that you gained. And it's almost like you can tell people, this is how you find the joy or like this is how this is where I struggled this is how you can avoid it or this is Mm -hmm. how you can move through it um and then Danae you have an open emotional center which means you're very empathic you can take on the emotions of other people Mm -hmm. which can be really helpful as a therapist because you know exactly how people are feeling but you also need to set boundaries in that way of not taking on those emotions so one of the like original human design readers says be a screen not a sponge so you're a Mm -hmm. screen because you can sort of reflect back to people what they're feeling and help them process it but you don't want to be a sponge where you absorb it and take everything on yes and then you both have something in your chart that's all about like bringing the old into the new. So you're looking at old ideas or old ways of doing old ways of thinking and figuring out how you can transform that to be more accessible and sort of more approachable to the modern world.
1: <laughs> I feel like that's Love a it. lot of depth psychology, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like, yeah and, work. Work.
2: and then Thinking about it on a platform like a podcast, how easily accessible is that? I mean, listening to you guys have conversations with some of your clients, while it might not be my own personal experience, you can still learn a lot from someone else's story that they're sharing.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Anything else about Vanessa I need to know? <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to make what it about funny. me since you made it about you. <laughs> no,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes for myself and John. So
2: I've got your chart here, Vanessa, um, let's see. You have, your throat center is defined Mm. and Danae's yours is not, which is kind of a great combination to have, especially when you work as a team. But with you, Vanessa, you might feel like people tap into your throat energy and just sort of word vomit at you without stopping. Mm -hmm. which can be great because a lot of times you'll empower people to tell their story or share their experience. But again, boundaries kind of need to be set because you might have a friend that calls you and talks at you for an hour, but doesn't ask you a single question about your day or how you're doing. And as a projector, that can be a lot of energy coming in. So you do need ample time to like step back and reset and recharge. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Can I ask, will you just say that again, Kathleen? So you said her throat center is defined?
2: Yeah, it's colored in. So it means that you have consistent energy in that area whereas yours, Danae, yours kind of changes depending on who you're around or the environment that you're in.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds like some introvert, extrovert energy <laughs> to me.
2: <laughs> I have an undefined throat and it's so interesting because I've done a few podcasts and when I'm working with someone with a defined throat, the conversation is very fluid and easy for me. But when it's one other person with an undefined throat... <laughs> Sometimes I just, am talking and I have no idea what I'm saying. And it's because I'm kind of uncomfortable with silence. Hmm. So I'll just try to fill the space with whatever I can, even though sometimes it doesn't even
0: register what I'm saying. <laughs> That's fascinating, and I I feel that discomfort, but I think I shut down.
1: <laughs> like I start Versus to like, try and fill it. Yeah, yeah. Like, but again, but I think that actually feels a little bit introvert extrovert energetics. Like, I mean, having a defined throat. I mean, as somebody who is for sure an extrovert, like I always jokingly say, I can have a conversation, a riveting conversation with a brick wall, like easily, no problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? And today's always like blows her mind. You know? <laughs> oh, that's great.
2: Um, You both have something in your chart that suggests like timing and ritual ritual is very important to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So you might have like a specific morning routine or a practice that you follow that helps you stay grounded. And when that routine is thrown off, it can be sort of abrasive or anxiety inducing. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you just have
1: like, like having a child, (laughs) (laughs) it's thrown off my whole routine for the last 17 months, but yeah. Okay. Keep going. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so
2: I always like to say, have a plan for your plan. You know, if you have your routine, follow it whenever you can. But if you can't get to it that day, is there something you can do just for like a minute or two minutes that mm-hmm. helps you stay grounded and somehow connected to your routine? I love that. Um, it's interesting you have, so in human design, we have the splenic Center and the splenic Center is, is where you house your fears and your intuition and so danae your splenic center is undefined it's not colored in which means you're highly influenced or affected by the people you're around or the environment that you are in mm. and then vanessa yours is defined it is colored in so what happens with this is that danae when you are in someone else's energy who has a lot of fear you kind of take on that fear and absorb that fear. And you might even amplify it. Like that fear becomes very intense in your body, Hmm. uh, which can be a great resource, right? Because you can help people work through their fears. Also, it just means that your intuition can shift or change. It might not be very consistent. Like maybe one day you have this intuitive feeling or this, the other day you kind of like meditate and visualize your intuition can shift. Mm -hmm. And then Vanessa, your splenic center is defined, which means when people enter into your space, they are picking up on your fears. So really in any human design chart, but specifically in the defined splenic center, it's important to take a look at some of your fears and work through them and release them. So that way you're not influencing anyone else to take on those same fears. So I'll just list some of these fears it's going to be a very um, brief explanation, but fear of responsibility. And this can look a couple of different ways. It can be like this fear of stepping into your highest self, because once you do that, you have to show up as that person. And, you know, if I'm stepping into the highest version of myself, then I have new responsibilities. It can also be like fear of taking care of other people. So sometimes this shows up as fear of motherhood. Like, am I doing this right? Am I messing this up? Um, Or just fear of, taking care of the people that you love and not doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. So that heavy responsibility. But on the opposite side of that, there is so much intuition there. You kind of like intuitively know how to care for these
1: people. I roll my eyes because I'm like, yep. Not that I want it, (laughs) but yep.
2: (laughs) Um, You have, let me see if you guys have any overlapping fears. Fear of the past repeating itself. Mm. So this just means like, just as it sounds, maybe you've had past experiences that were challenging. If you let those past experiences control you or hold you back from moving forward, then you're giving your fear a lot of power. So the idea is that you look at those past experiences and say, okay, yeah, that was tough, but what did I learn from it? How has it made me who I am today? how can I release that fear and move forward?
1: That feels and like becoming also- a therapist. I mean, <laughs> that's literally what we do all day mm-hmm. is examine past and try to make sense of it and learn from it so that you don't quote unquote repeat it again, mm-hmm. which just is funny that we both have that same. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. And then on the other side of that too is, so anytime there's fear, there's intuition and that intuition suggests that you have the ability to really tap into the past and tap into those past patterns and kind of see what could be holding you back or what could be holding someone else back
0: it's interesting never heard anyone say that wherever there's fear there's intuition before yeah Yeah,
2: usually one takes over so it's just really nice to kind of feel or understand when that fear comes up Mm -hmm. and just always knowing that you have the ability to step into this higher version of yourself you both have an undefined ego or heart center. And this is where like your heart and your desires, your wants live. It's also where value lives. So sometimes with the undefined ego or heart, there really is a lesson of learning your own value and learning what you bring to the table. So in human design, we have a highest expression and a lowest expression of everything in the chart. And so the lowest expression of this center or this shape being undefined, not colored in, can be looking like undervaluing yourself, not charging enough for your services, or just not thinking like you bring enough to the table. But the wisdom there, the highest version of yourself is learning that lesson of like, no, I am valuable. What Mm -hmm. I have to offer is helpful. And I am worth what I decide what I am worth.
1: We go on and on. I'm gonna actually just like say it right now. I'm gonna book a session with you. We'll go through this all I in mean, detail. <laughs> yes,
0: please. I love this so much. Um, yeah, I think this is this is really exciting to just be exposed to because I feel like I am constantly looking for additional tools to offer clients. Of yeah, like, same. this is a way you might be able to dig into this. Like when it feels like we're stuck somewhere mm-hmm. with this, like. Um, you know, just like beating myself up about the same things or um, really struggling to find self-acceptance. So I'm really excited. Or to
1: understanding, know. right? Like I just, I just need a new lens through which to look in order for something to maybe make sense that didn't make sense before. And I think that this is, this is, could be one of those.
2: Yeah. And like I said, a lot of times people already know this information. It's right. just Hearing it in a different way or hearing it expressed in a different form sometimes is exactly what they need. And it could be human design. It it might not be human design. It might be something else. But it is just one other modality towards self-discovery or self-acceptance and really finding compassion towards yourself and other people.
0: Mm, Um, I I find it so healing in the same way that I felt such a deep healing experience the first time I had my natal chart read in astrology. And I think I felt some of that as you were speaking, it's like having someone reflect and sort of see those things about you that you felt sort of on an intuitive level, I think just feels really healing. Cause I Mm -hmm. think there's something in the human experience where we all want to feel seen in the truth of who we are. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
1: Absolutely. Okay, well, we have some lightning round questions that we ask all of our guests. Zanay, you want to start?
0: Yes. So who have been your greatest teachers, um, the people you've been most influenced by mentors along your journey up to this point, Kathleen?
2: So I would say my greatest teachers are my experiences because Mm -hmm. I've been through what I feel like is a lot and I've gained most of my knowledge from my experiences and then the people that I look up to um Brene Brown I love her work it's pretty phenomenal and she's another person where I
0: hear her speak and I'm like
1: oh yeah that's what I've been feeling Mm -hmm. forever all hell Queen Brene
0: (laughs) do you know what she is in terms of her human design I don't but (laughs) I'm like curious now I'm like I wonder what she is I think someone said Oprah was like a manifesting generator somewhere is that true
1: do you
2: know? <laughs> I, I feel like I heard manifester. But
1: oh, really? Maybe one that was it. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. Second question. Where do you find yourself in a state of flow, right? So that thing that you can just blink your eyes and five, six hours have gone by and you're like,
0: wait, where did the time go? Your generator energy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Truly
2: it's surfing. It's being mm. in the ocean, yes. but as a generator, because I feel like I want to be productive and surfing Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily productive (laughs) um it's really tapping into things that interest me like human design or music or yoga Mm
1: -hmm. everybody i know that surfs has the exact same feeling about surfing though like Mm. if it's your thing it's your thing and and it's the language is always spiritual it's always meditative it's always Mm. such a connection to higher source um if I didn't hate cold water so much, I would totally take it up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I hate cold water and I still do it, which is why I know I love it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But exactly. I can be in the water and two hours will go by and I'll think I surfed for 20 minutes. Right. I love that. Mm-hmm. And what breaks your heart? Ugh, what breaks my heart? I think overall lack of compassion and close-mindedness, you know, we're all going through something and sometimes we think we know the answers or we know what someone's dealing with and we usually don't Mm -hmm. and even in the most horrific situations there's usually some underlying factor that someone has struggled with or dealt with and we're so quick to overlook that and that Mm
1: -hmm. breaks my heart yeah okay last one's real serious what's your favorite food
2: (laughs) That's the hardest question you've asked me. <laughs> <laughs> You're
1: not the only one to say that.
2: <laughs> Ugh. If I could eat it all day long, it would be bread. Any I can, I can bread. get on board with that answer.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can definitely I get on bet. board with that answer. I could eat bread all day, every day. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much for doing this, for coming on and giving us this breakdown. I'm super excited to have this in my repertoire of tools to sort of offer and tap into for myself. And we will definitely be in touch with you. I have no doubt. How can people Um,
1: get in touch with you? I'm sure that we're not going to be the only ones. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So the best way to find me is on
2: Instagram at Radiant Human Design. Radiant is spelled D-A-N-T can be confusing sometimes and then also my website radianthumandesign.com.
0: amazing thanks for doing this
2: oh my goodness thanks for having me that was amazing
1: thanks for joining us for this episode of cheaper than therapy
0: if you enjoyed today's episode be sure to subscribe on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts
1: and if you want to connect with us you can find us on instagram at vanessa s bennett and at danae logan selkin